0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I am Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we're going to talk about hockey. And we are going to talk about hockey cards. Because those two things go hand in hand. Like, uh, I'd say peanut butter and jelly. But I don't like peanut butter and jelly. I like peanut butter and honey. Which... It's probably why I turned into a chubby kid as a teen. But peanut butter and honey, peanut butter and bananas, don't like those either. But you get the idea. Those two things go like peanut butter and chocolate, like a Reese's peanut butter cup, hockey and hockey cards.
0: That's hockey. a lot to digest right off the bat.
1: Was there a pun intended in that? Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, how you been, man? How's, uh, how, how's life treating you?
0: I'm all right so far, but there's still time for everything to go horribly wrong. So.
1: Well, hopefully not during the duration of this podcast. Hopefully not. Yeah.
0: We're, yeah. we're usually good in these few hours we spend together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Usually, like, if, if any stuff comes up, then it's like, okay, we're not going to do a podcast this week, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. Be- no one's so, knocked on the door. The room hasn't flooded and the sky hasn't fallen yet, so we're good. Yeah, that's
1: right. I remember your uh, your your hockey room flooded. Yeah.
0: I don't want to talk about that.
1: No, that was...
0: uh, My psychiatrist told me I don't have to share feelings.
1: No. You know, I just want to thank anybody who started listening to this show recently. I'm not going to get into numbers, but I will say that, like, lately...
0: I have a list. I'll read the names. Billy and Joey and Steven and Sally and... No, go ahead.
1: I think those names are made up. I think they're aliases. But anyways, what I want to say is that we... uh, Our listenership has grown... I mean, over the past couple of months. And I think a lot of that has to do with people who join the Facebook group and then they give this podcast a listen and decide they like it or people who follow us on Twitter and they're like, oh, you guys have a podcast? Cool, I'll check it out, right? Or people who might meet me at a show and I give them my card and I say, please check out the podcast, and they actually do. So it seems like just slowly but surely our uh, our listenership is growing. and That makes me excited because – you know, it's more fun to do something when you actually see people are listening to it.
0: The more the merrier, I always say.
1: So what do you want to talk about first? You were laughing about this Pat Maroon and Wayne uh, Simmons thing. And I, I don't know anything about it because even I watched a lot of hockey over the weekend. I didn't watch that game. Um, I was going to say,
0: yeah, it was just that was a recent game. You didn't watch that one? The, well, uh... I'll,
1: I'll tell you why. It was because the Blackhawks were playing. And as you might know, their longtime play-by-play announcer, Pat Foley, is retiring at the end of this season. He has not been doing every single game. They've been bringing in a lot of other people, um, you know, to kind of like audition for the job. And uh, anyway, Sunday wasn't his last game. But what they did was they brought back Dale Talon to do color commentary because Pat and Dale where it was Patton Dale from about 82 or 83, whenever Foley joined the team, I should know that year. And that was before I got into hockey. So like early 80s um, until like the late 90s, then Talon stepped away to do some front office stuff for the Blackhawks. Then he ended up coming back to the broadcast booth. And then in 2004, he went back into front office stuff. So it was great to hear those two, their rapport because they had such a great rapport. So, there was no way I was going to miss that, even though the lightning maple leaf game was probably a lot better. But so fill me in on what what greatness I missed.
0: I think it's another example in a long line of things that we've talked about here. And it just becomes a discussion in the league. And that's are we moving forward? Or are we moving backward? What are we doing? And this one comes down to officiating a little bit because both Simmons and Pat Maroon got 10 minute misconduct penalties in the game with the bolts and uh, the maple Leafs, for just chirping each other so you saw simmons was on the bench and pat maroon was skating over and they were jawing with each other and just trading barbs back and forth and as maroon got on the bench he opened the, the door and got on the bench and simmons was hanging over a little bit referee comes over and he tosses them both mm. And everybody's looking around, like, what was that all about? And essentially, they were given each 10 minute misconducts for just trash talking each other, I guess.
1: Unsportsmanlike conduct.
0: And I guess going back into the rule book, if you look at Rule 75, in a situation like something like that, officials should have dished out a minor penalty first before they went to the misconduct.
2: Mm-hmm. But that's
0: neither here nor there. Brian Engblom was in the center between mm-hmm. benches
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i guess made mention of the fact that maroon said something to simmons along the lines of yeah you're not even going to be in the league next year so shut up or whatever
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't, I don't even know what that means i guess that was supposed to be some kind of insult at which i seriously doubt wayne simmons will be out of the league next year but whatever <laughs> yeah, I guess it, the referee said something. This is just a rumor that was floating around, but the referee something said something to the fact, like you guys need to shut it because what you're like the stuff you're saying doesn't make for good TV or something like that. okay. Like it was gonna get picked up on the on the microphones or the cameras or whatever because it was a televised game. So I don't know. It's another in a long line of the league trying to like navigate its way through. Something that it doesn't need to, like trying to figure out what this should be and what that should be and just consistency on things. You know, guys chirping and it happens constantly. They start doling out penalties for guys trash talking each other. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, that's what it is in any sport. And yeah, there is a there is a there's a line that you can cross, right? By just friendly trash talking versus like straight up insensitive insults but i don't know that's just me i i don't care that athletes are trash talking each other they're way better at their jobs than i am at mine so you know if i was that good at my job i would be trash talking everybody every day too
1: i wonder if it's just like how much bs the refs want to tolerate like, it's like if you're road tripping and you, like when you when your sons were much, much younger and they're in the back backseat, maybe they're fighting or arguing or whatever. And sometimes some days you're just like, eh, I'm going to let them figure it out. And other days you turn around and like, OK, you two little monsters, if you don't shut the hell up, I'm turning this car around and we're going home and we're not getting ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wonder sometimes if referees are like, you know what, I'm just going to penalize this guy because I don't want to put up with this shit all night. You know what I mean? Like. I, I, I know they can't just penalize Oh, we know they do. Feel we like obviously it, but... know
0: they do. But, you know, I this think... is a situation where I think it just was, like, to make that call just, like, out of the blue like that, that's weird. Maybe
1: they just didn't want to hear it,
0: you know? Like At least skate over there and say, you know what? Enough. If yeah. I hear another thing out of you, you're both getting tossed. And right. leave it at that and let the game move on. Yeah. But instead, you toss two players out that they're impactful players. Yes. These aren't, like... These aren't scrub guys. No, I mean, they're they're third, both
1: third third line guys. They're both
0: but... role players. You know, Simmons yeah. is a net front presence. Yep. You know, Maroon goes out there and he's been, especially this past year, I mean, he's been playing pretty decent. So it's like, you know, here you lost two guys for 10 minutes. Right. So it's, yeah, they were offsetting penalties, but still. it's just,
1: Yeah, it's a little harsh. I get it.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a little, it's a little much. Just a little much. And of course, you know, everybody had stuff to say about it afterwards and everything else, but I just thought it was interesting that if they're trying to set some kind of precedent here, like you're not allowed to say anything, talk to each other, say bad stuff. I don't think they were insulting each other's mothers or anything
2: like that. Right, right, right.
1: Wasn't it wasn't getting like, too personal.
0: It wasn't a your mama joke contest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Although that would be funny. But anyway.
1: <sighs> anyway, moving on. You want
0: to talk about the Nick Suzuki thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Habs and Leafs game the other night to Scotiabank, and there was a little kid during, I think it was maybe during warm-ups or something. I don't know, but there's a little kid. He had a sign talking, trying to get Suzuki's attention about getting a puck or whatever and taking a selfie, and so Suzuki skated over and tossed the puck over, and the kid reached up to catch the puck and missed. And it smacked him right in the mouth. Busts his mouth open. So nice. kids bleeding. It's a little kid. So he's crying. Everything else. So Nick feels bad being a nice guy. Gives the kid his stick. Great thing. Takes a picture with him. There's pictures posted all over social media of this little kid crying his eyes out with Nick Suzuki in the in the shot. So it's kind of funny. But he basically gives him a, gives him a his hockey stick. Mm-hmm. And at some point along the line. The dad tells the story, and I didn't find it on the other social medias because I'm not on there, but I was told that he's posting similar stories on other social media platforms. But I saw on Twitter that he posted talking about the event and mentioned the fact that they were tossed out because they couldn't have a stick in their possession because a stick is considered a weapon and no one's allowed to have weapons in the building.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. to which i was like huh well that kind of sucks because i can imagine anything could be considered a weapon Mm -hmm. but a stick i guess is a little more so though i don't know that anybody's gonna although plenty of drunk people in the crowd anyway yeah so couldn't have the stick it's considered a weapon and he made it out to be that they were tossed out of the arena They had to leave Hmm. now Scotiabank released a statement after trying to remedy the situation. Apparently I feel like this guy's just like kind of fishing to try to get free stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's just me, but yeah, so they, this is the alleged thing is they made him leave, but every arena pretty much in hockey Mm -hmm. has a similar policy to where if you have things like that you can check them with like the customer service or or concierge or whatever service they have right you can pick your stuff up at the end okay when you're going to leave because yes you cannot have that stuff at your seat right so making it seem like, oh, uh, this big bad corporation threw out this little kid and his dream was to watch his favorite team play and blah, blah, blah. I think has gotten overblown because it's a policy to not have that happen. And you do have that option. Sure, one of the options is, no, I'm not checking this, so I will see myself out. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, it was, and I don't know. I feel like this guy's like trying to fish for more stuff and use his kid for sympathy for free memorabilia. I don't know. Anybody can have their own opinion on this, but that was just kind of, I sort of felt bad at first when I first started reading it. And then I started getting deeper into the story and I'm like, well, wait a minute. And it just started turning different paths. And I started seeing some of the comments from employees of Scotiabank and Mm -hmm. then the customer relations manager of the arena
2: mm-hmm.
0: actually reached out and then a statement was made by the corporation about it and how either it was a misunderstanding or what but you know their policy is hey check this and you come pick it up later by no means you're, you're being thrown out so yeah
1: what so they had to leave the game is what you're saying
0: they left the game yes
1: that's lame i mean so they could, t- so they
0: could take their weapon with them
1: well, I mean, I guess they could have just, like, checked the stick. And, I mean, if it was check the stick or leave the game, I would have just checked the stick and not thought twice about it, you know? Because
0: it happens all the time. And then I heard it was, like, the lat there was only, like, the third period left or something. I don't know. It is what it is. It's just another in a long line of things where social media grabs a hold of something and maybe twists and turns it yeah. a little bit to be a certain thing. But it was a big to-do after that game.
1: So I'm kind of tired of people using their kids as excuses. And last week I talked about when I was selling at a show and I wanted, I wanted to sell a card. I don't know if I told the story or not, and I'm going to keep it just kind of, uh, keep the details out of it so much, but for my son, yeah, it was like, it was like a $50 card and the guy wanted to pay me $40 and you know, right there, that's 20% off. And it was a good card of a great player. And it was, to me, it was a $50 card and And then he's just like, oh, well, it's for my son and his son's standing right there. But then I remember like another time somebody reached out to me via email and they asked me for something and they said, you know, I I guess I could talk about this because I don't think this person's listening to the show. He said, hey, I see that you posted a picture of the 91 NHL All-Star Game program. I went to that game. I was in college. And he's like, is your program for sale? And I said, you know what? I actually have two copies of that program. Let me see if I can find it and if I can find it, I will sell it to you. So then I find it. It's in great condition and I said, I will sell it to you for, I think I said like $25. I think I wanted 24 plus $5 shipping. And I thought for a 30 year old NHL all star game program in excellent condition that seemed fair. And then he emails me back and he's like, oh well, I mean, you know, I I would just give it to my son and I'm not going to resell it. And I'm like thinking, wait. You just told me that you went to this All-Star game back in 91 and you want to get a copy of the All-Star program and wanted to know if I'd sell you my copy. And then when I say, sure, I'll sell it to you, then you're like, oh, well, but you're asking for more than what I want to pay. And Just but it's for my kid. And it's just like I'm so tired of like it's for my kid. You know, like if it's food and shelter and it's for your kid, of course I get it. But I think beyond that, and of course, I could sound jaded like this because I'm not a parent. You are a parent. So you can tell me, am I out of line here? Am I being an unsensitive, insensitive Sal? Not unsensitive. that doesn't make sense. Insensitive Sal or
0: there's some... There's Look. Come on, soccer dad, close is it, in. Uh, soccer, no way. Sorry, um, baseball. Yes, I'll, I'll give you the lawyer answer. Yes and no. I don't think you're being too insensitive to that because that is a problem i i liken that to the whole can you cancel this auction that i won because my son accidentally bid on it it's like no i'm not doing that because it's a bunch of crap and it's fake and you're lying right um so it's kind of like that you might have out of the 10 people that say it to you two of those stories might actually be legit right But the problem is it's the other eight that ruin it for the two. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So back when there were only two, it was probably not a problem. But now there's 10. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And those eight people ruin it for the other two. So, yeah. Do I think any of those stories, sob stories, are ever legit? Sure. I'm sure they are. And I'm sure you can easily figure those ones out. But, you know, if you don't want to pay somebody something because they have it higher than you want to pay for it then just say oh no thanks or say "Yeah, that's a little more than I wanted to spend but thanks for offering and move on with your life you don't need to try to turn it into I'm gonna guilt them out of it it's not gonna work
1: now I'm not saying that kids shouldn't get some perks for being kids because you know what I get it I like that whether I remember like when your boys were younger, you know, we would all kind of hang out together at the card shows and we'd walk around and they would just hand them stuff. And I always thought that was nice. And they, you know, it might be junk cards, but they'd get so happy about it. They'd get, they'd have big smiles on their face. Oh, dad, look what I got. You know, they'd be so excited about that. And they'd look at that
0: or, you know, like the one show where Daniel got handed an 89 upper deck baseball set, like a full set. like, I was down, like, a couple tables down, and he comes running over with it, showing me. I'm like, where did you get that? Go put that back. He's like, no, well, he gave it to me. I'm like, what? And so I walked down there, and, well, he's like, yeah, he can have it. It doesn't have the Griffey in it, but he can have it. I'm like, all right, fair. So he got it, and to this day, he still has the entire 89 upper deck set, minus the Griffey.
1: Never bothered to get around to getting the Griffey, huh?
0: No, and... <laughs> the only person that would have would have been me and I don't care about baseball really so right right, right I don't right, pay right. attention I could probably pick one up if I wanted to but I don't so
2: yeah
1: it's not a rare card by any means a 89 10 Griffey Jr rookie card um
0: but I mean, yeah they're probably still printing them
1: probably and you know what I mean I remember like when uh, Panini gave your kids some box cutters that was nice
0: oh yeah that was that was awesome of them the box cutter thing I forgot about that I'm glad you brought that up
1: <laughs> Baby's
0: first box break. Uh-huh. Baby's first jugular vein cut.
2: Ugh.
0: Yeah, no, it was the kids' break, a free break bag thing, and inside the bag there were all these, you know, free swag for kids, and one of them was a knife. <laughs> it was the box cutter, which it was. It was a safety box cutter, of course, so it retracts itself and everything. But still, the fact that. It had it was loaded with a razor blade. I mean, yeah, sure, some kids are responsible and would know what to do with it. Mine weren't gonna like use it and try to stab each other or, you know, hold up a bank or anything with it. But it's not to say that there aren't plenty of kids out there that would be like, oh, look at this, cut their arms or something. It was just silly. I thought it was it was kind of a ridiculous thing, but whatever. Okay. I know so- I'm overreacting. I'm not the kind of parent that puts their kids in bubbles. Trust me, I'm not. <laughs> I am absolutely not. But I'm also not going to hand them the weapon of, of mass destruction to kill themselves with either.
1: Well, I think it's less about them hurting themselves and more them just doing stupid kid things that we would do and not really think too hard about it.
0: I mean, but... heck, we, we had switchblade combs when we were kids. Combs? Uh, combs for your hair, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. I know I
0: have, I have no use for one today, but you know, back then I had some long, luxurious hair.
1: uh uh-huh. You know, I uh, I don't use a comb. I use a hairbrush. I used to have long hair, so then I got into the hairbrush thing. And then when I cut my hair, combs are not ergonomic. They're stupid. I just don't like them. Brushes have a nice feel to them. They have a nice handle. I can do more with a brush, I think. So I'm more of a hairbrush kind of guy, believe it or not.
0: I can see that. I yeah. didn't like the brushes because they, they gave my hair a lot of static and made it poofier than it already was. Mm. I already had a hair helmet. I didn't need to have a... A hair moon over my head. Gotcha. So you wanna no talk moon.
1: What's that? That's, That's no moon. Station. Uh you wanna talk about so a couple of uh first round picks signed with their teams now that their collegiate seasons are over.
0: Yeah, how about that?
1: So what is it? Maddie Beneers signed with the Seattle Kraken and Owen Power was the first overall pick signed with the
0: Buffalo Sabres. So Yeah, it's gonna be uh... Interesting to see how, you know, they're both on teams that aren't playoff bound teams. So it's not like they're jumping into any very high pressure situations, but it, at least this gives them an opportunity to play with the NHL guys, you know, get some time on a few of the lines, see how they gel with different quality of players on both of those teams mm-hmm. and uh, see what's in store for them. Plus, the good thing is now that guarantees they get a rookie card.
1: Oh, yeah, for the, the uh, this fall actually, for series. So I said, OK, hold on. Let me check myself. I said this fall in series yeah. one and then I kind of trailed off because you know what? By the fall, we'll probably be getting series two of twenty one twenty two.
0: still, it's still not showing up on the radar on anybody's uh, release calendar. So That's,
1: do you uh, happen I mean, to know offhand just off the top of your head? Have you seen a checklist for Series 2 yet?
0: A checklist? No.
1: Okay. I have a feeling that by the time Upper Deck Series 2 comes out and has a card of Marc-Andre Fleury pictured as a Chicago Blackhawk, he will already have changed teams two more times. I know we had a National Hockey Card Day of Fleury as a Blackhawk, and that was actually kind of nice because he was actually a Blackhawk when that card came out. But now I feel like when Upper Deck Series 2 comes out, and it's like Marc-Andre Fleury, goaltender, Chicago Blackhawks, by that point, he will have played for Minnesota, Edmonton, and then gone back to Pittsburgh or something like that.
0: Wow, that's something. I don't think he's leaving Minnesota anytime soon.
1: He's an unrestricted free agent, so he can sign wherever he wants to at the end yeah. of the seasons
0: or after the, the, end season, of the season. So, so you're, you're anticipating series, we don't see series two until after the season's over.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm kidding. You don't kidding think it's because... going
0: to pop up in the middle of the playoffs sometime? uh i mean just gonna spring it on us and be like hey this comes out tomorrow and everybody's gonna be like what usually
1: we kind of catch wind of things within two weeks of when it's like you know then you see like the sell sheets well you know the sell sheets and you start seeing solicitations and pre-sells and maybe we've already seen some of that i don't really get into the whole pre-sell thing like
0: like pre-sells have been going for quite a while but the problem is they don't have any dates to them so you buy you buy into all of these pre-sells I mean, you could be sitting for quite a while. I mean, people people pre-sold the cup last year, and I mean, we're getting close to the halfway point, and we still don't see it. We're talking last year, Mm so, I mean, we're still getting 2021 releases. Right. I mean, one just came out.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get to the hockey card section of our podcast.
0: Not that's that it matters. I, that's why he, I didn't say what it was. I'm keeping, yeah, it a surprise.
1: Keep it, keeping it suspenseful. I want to talk just a little bit about Ryan Getzlaff because he announced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. And, you know, I'm very happy for him that he had a long and illustrious career. But, you know, whenever you see a guy that has played over 15 years and then he retires, I feel like especially the older we get, you always get a little sad when a guy like that retires because then it kind of reminds you of your own mortality. When you go, Ryan Getzlaff, no way. I mean, I remember when he was a rookie back in 05. Oh, oh, that was a long time ago. And then you start thinking, oh, man, I was was only, you know, 30 years old. And then um, you start to kind of... (laughs) You know, like, like you'll feel really old once Crosby and Ovechkin retire, and then you'll just be like, no way, this seems like yesterday. Yeah, so he's, he's, um he's retiring. So as of this recording, he's got 1151 games played, 282 goals, 731 assists, 1013 points during the regular season, won a Stanley Cup in 2007. Uh, He was an Olympic gold medalist in 2010-2014, silver medalist in the world championships in 2008, just that close to being a triple gold club member, World Cup of Hockey gold medal in 2016, well, maybe that can count, World Junior Championship gold medal in 2005, and an under-18 World Championship gold medal in 2003. So, guy's got a lot of gold medals, and he's got a cup. He doesn't have any individual awards, but he does have over 1,000 points. Do you think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame within three years of retirement?
0: Within three years?
1: Yeah, like first ballot, as they like to say, which always makes me barf because that's a baseball thing, and I don't like baseball things in hockey.
0: No, he's, he's not a first ballot.
1: Okay, why not? No individual awards?
0: I don't think he's a first ballot because... I think the first ballot Hall of Famers, in my mind, are the guys that are the groundbreaking game-changer type guys. Okay. The guys that there's no conversation. The fact that we're having this conversation and asking the question tells me he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You would never ask that question about, not that I'm putting him on line with like Sid or or Ovechkin or, or those types of guys, but I think he's a bubble guy. Really, if it boils down to boils down to that, because look, if you if you played in a thousand games, you're definitely in in the consideration in my mind. Mm -hmm. Because if you can last a thousand games in the NHL, you're doing something right, obviously. I think another thing that goes with a first ballot guy is you've got to be somewhere near close to a point per game type player, or at least in the ballpark, or be able to supplant that with something else. And there's a lot of guys that, let's face it, the snub list that we talk about every year when they come out with the list of who made it in and who we think shouldn't have, should not have made it in, I mean, his stats are very similar to people like uh, Daniel Alfredson, Rod Brindamore, Mo Gilney, Theo Fleury, uh, more recently Patrick Ilyash. You know, these are all guys that had over a thousand games.
1: And over has. a thousand, well, but, but Getzlaff has over a thousand points.
0: Yeah, I think what goes for him and what would push him higher than the rest of those guys, maybe, would be the international medals. Mm-hmm. Because remember, the Hockey Hall of Fame isn't just the NHL Hall of Fame, it's the Hockey mm-hmm. Hall. So it's a body of work so- within the hockey career and that could be international play that could be collegiate play that could be you could probably make it into the Hall of Fame as just an AHL player I would imagine but you know it's it's hockey it's the whole full body of work and so uh, to me he's on the bubble and I know you would you would vote for Ronick probably before him too so
1: <laughs> well yeah of course but you know Ronick has like over 500 goals and I you know what I what I always say I think I think a lot of people think this way. So what I'm saying here is not necessarily insightful or unique, but I say when a player has 400 goals, it becomes a conversation you should have. Should this guy be in the Hall of Fame? When the player has 600 assists, it becomes a conversation. Should this guy be in the Hall of Fame? The guy has a thousand points. It becomes a conversation. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Now, when those all of those numbers go up by 100, then it goes from a conversation to almost a foregone conclusion, i.e., once the guy hits 500 goals, it's like, why isn't this guy in the Hall of Fame? Like, without even, I mean, let me ask you this Does Marion Hosa deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? What does your gut say? He is in
0: the Hall. He was, he was, uh, he is. He definitely wasn't on my radar, at least at that point.
1: Okay. So he retired in 2017. He was inducted in 2020, but then actually inducted in like 2021 because they didn't do a ceremony in 2020. And then in 2021, they only inducted the guys from 2020. He had 525 goals and 609 assists. So again, over 400 goals, 500 goals. So once you get to 500 goals, I, I think at that point you're it's really pushing, especially if the other numbers are there. And then when you look and you say, "Okay, 600 assists, all right." Now, with, in Getzlaf's case, he has 700 assists. Once you start getting to these 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 numbers, hundred or more higher than that benchmark of 400 goals or 600 assists, then I think it you you really start like leaning like, yeah, they they should be in. Uh, are there going to be exceptions? Yeah, I mean, of course. And it it's not necessarily like a prerequisite, like. There could be a player who has 600 assists, but not necessarily a 1,000 points, but he might be just such a good player. Or it might be a defenseman. You know what I mean? You get, you get the point. It's not just the numbers game. It's the overall game. And like you said, when I was compiling this information about him, I was surprised at how many gold medals he won. And, you know, the thing is, is that I know like a lot of naysayers say, oh, well, you know, I mean, a, a player can luck into being on a good team. I mean, if you're the third string goalie on a gold medal winning Olympic team that you still had to work hard to get there. And you were still the third best goalie in your country or who is eligible. But you look at this and you go, wow, I mean, this guy was if he was a rookie in 2005, he won two World Junior Championship gold medals before he became an NHLer. And then after being an NHLer, he won two Olympic gold medals and he won a World Cup of Hockey gold medal. And he was a big part of those teams. He wasn't just like the fringe fourth line guy who was like, oh, well, you know, he just happened to be, you know, like when we, you brought up Patrick Maroon earlier. And I love listening to people bitch about Patrick Maroon because like, uh, that guy's lucky, right place, right time. He was on the Blues and then he went to the Bolts and won three Stanley Cups, but he didn't do anything. No. If you're on a Stanley Cup team, you did something. Even if it's a small role, you did something. And if you did that small role on one team and then another team said, hey, we like you, we're going to sign you. And you do that role with that team and they win a cup and they say, hey, you know what? We like what you did with us. We want you to stay with us another year. And in another year, it means you're doing that thing right. I don't
0: want anybody to mistake what I'm saying. Your question was, is he a first ballot? My answer is, I don't think so. Is I he a Hall one... of Famer? Yeah, I think so. I'm he's actually... a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I think all those guys I named should probably be Hall of Famers, but I don't think he's a necessarily a first ballot. Gotcha. All the matrix that you're talking about, all the all the measurements and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you look at those lists that he's on, you know, whatever that list may be, you know, third in this, fifth in that, seventh in this, eighth in that. If you look at all the guys around him, you would probably say oh yeah there's Crosby he's in the hall of fame there's Ovechkin he's in the hall there's Patrick Kane he's going to be in the hall there's mm-hmm. this guy and so i'm sure a lot of those guys especially of his peer group because that 0506 rookie class was just you know stacked
2: ridiculous um,
0: with it, with you know the players that are there and i think 38 of the skaters or the forward group out of that class have all gotten to a thousand games in the NHL. Right. Which is huge. That's a huge number for one rookie class for almost 40 guys out of that group. Not to mention the fact that they lasted that long when the average NHL career is like three and a half years.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: here's these guys that, that have played that many played in a thousand games, all coming out of that same rookie class. That's an astounding feat. So yeah, by no means do I think he's not Hall of Fame material. I just don't necessarily think he's first ballot. I think he'll be snubbed from a first ballot. I think there'll be a lot of questions asked about it. And then he'll probably get in after the fact. Right. So that's, I guess it that's depends
1: who else about. retires also at the end of this year. And who else has retired?
0: That's how I felt in football, too. You know, Big Ben announced his retirement. And then all of a sudden, oh, Tom Brady's retiring. Like, great. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be eligible at the same exact time. And Ben going in is going to get overshadowed by the fact that Tom Brady's going in. So mm-hmm. the best thing for that was Tom Brady saying, "Ah, never mind, I'm coming back." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, I got you So it's like it's kind of like the same thing, you know if everybody else that's eligible or available to go in at that time is, I guess, of that balance
2: mm-hmm.
0: lesser, in some of those categories, he may have a shot. Right,
2: right,
0: yeah. He does have a cup. Just one, but he has a cup.
1: Well, that always seems to be, the law always say, yeah, but he doesn't have a cup.
0: I mean, yeah, that's what but it's all about, right? Winning he the doesn't
1: cup. have a cup.
0: I put and more weight in being on a cup winning team than being the guy that wins, you know, the the scoring title. When you play for a garbage team your whole career.
1: Mm -hmm. Wait, you put more weight weight on on the cup?
0: On the cup. Oh, yeah. By all means.
1: Okay, so then Marcel Dion.
0: It's a team effort.
1: Marcel Dion. What about him? Never won a cup.
0: I didn't vote for him.
1: Detroit in the 70s, LA in the 80s, Rangers in the late 80s.
0: Never won a cup.
1: I didn't vote for him. Do you think he should not be in the Hall of Fame?
0: I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be in there. But I'm saying what I'm saying is that gauge, there is that level mm-hmm. that when they see, oh, does he have that hardware? Then it can sway you. Look, the stats are one thing. But if you have the hardware, I think that gets people to overlook some of the stats that may not be as good later on. Mm-hmm. So if maybe you're just a little bit shy of some of your peer group on one category, but you have a cup and the other two guys don't, that might be something that pushes you over the top.
2: Right, right. That's, right.
0: All, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And you point out the fact that he doesn't have major NHL awards. I think people put more weight in winning the cup than they do the individual awards. Hmm. That's just my opinion. Okay.
1: Sometimes I feel like it's the
0: other way around. Like I don't care how many Art Ross trophies you win. I don't care how many Ted Lindsay awards you win. I don't mm-hmm. care how many Mark Messier leadership awards you win. How many cups did you win? Did you ever play on a cup-winning team? Did you ever put yourself in a position where you led your team through the playoffs and won a cup? If you won a con smite, I'll give you credit there too. Yeah. Even if you were the losing side with a conspite.
1: Well, there's only been really like a few that I can think of. J.S. Jaguar, Ron Hextall. Yeah. Neither of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Nor, I don't think they were really Hall of Fame goaltenders. Good goalies for their time, don't get me wrong, and I love Hextall. Yeah. Okay, so Ryan Gets laugh retiring. Uh, let's talk Hobby stuff? Sure. What do you want to start with?
0: Oh, I don't know. Did you hear the one about the Saskatchewan guy that lost all of his stuff to a theft? No. Tell us. There's a collector. Mm -hmm. This was, like, posted in a bunch of different uh, media sources. It was, like, on national news. It even hit some of the papers in the United States, and they don't say anything about Canada ever. right yeah um so this guy had uh had a huge uh memorabilia collection and he was a big gretzky collector Uh, i saw photos and stuff posted online of his setup and it's ridiculous he had just jerseys and sticks and gloves and pucks and signed photos and just all kinds of stuff but i guess this guy had something like Ten thousand of his cards, which over two thousand of them are Gretzky cards, um, a bunch of his jerseys, bunch of the other memorabilia, tons of the autograph stuff, all stolen from a storage a storage unit. Wow. yeah, it's kind of crazy because if you look at some of the stuff that was taken, it's not your everyday run-of-the-mill type stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: so if this pops up on the secondary market anywhere people are going to ask questions right because it's a lot of the stuff that was taken is unique i mean i think there were something like 18 or 19 autographed jerseys like actual game like game jerseys were taken there were like paintings like like lithograph-type stuff that's mm-hmm. serial numbered and, and everything like that. It's crazy. I guess he had a he had like an Opeche-graded PSA, like an 8 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So those are serial numbered. and Obviously, those get logged, but you never know. It's crazy the amount of stuff that was taken. And we keep hearing more and more stories about this same kind of stuff. I mean, it seems like every week there's a different card store, a hobby shop, getting broke into. There was just one the other day I saw about some breaker that had a phys- has like a physical shop in California mm-hmm. busted in. And there was one a week or so ago. Somebody walked into the store in broad daylight while the store was open and the clerk was busy and just ripped stuff out of a case and took off. And he was looking at the security camera so like people could clearly see who this guy was. I mean, it's just like with so much focus and attention on the hobby and so much money to be made, people are willing to do nefarious things to get that money. It's crazy, it's absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah, but, so. that's I've, I've been lucky enough that I can't recall any of my cards ever being stolen. You know, the only thing I could think of that got stolen is I think some of my CDs got stolen. When I was in college, because you know, like when you know you have a certain CD and then you can't find it. And like when it's not just one, but it's like five or 10 and you're like, wait, I have that album. And then you can't find it. And you look up and down and everywhere, but also you keep all your CDs together. I did on like a big media center. So it would have been really easy for somebody to just grab it and go, you know, like when you have a party, I don't know. Did you have parties in college? Or were you like the, were you like the, uh, Guys, I gotta study. I can't party right now.
0: Yep, yep, yep. That was me.
1: Yeah, no. Like you know, the thing was, is like we'd have parties in
0: college, and not much the partier I was. Well, that I don't know. Like that sounded like a Yoda, a Yoda statement. I was not much for partying. Let's put it that way.
1: We used to throw parties. Yeah, not like all the time, but like in college, like it was it was pretty good because like. We were like into parties, but not every single weekend, like we weren't like, hey, let's have people over every single weekend. But we were usually pretty like on the same page we'd Be like, hey, let's have a party this month, you know, and we'd like figure out a date where like, you know, none of us had like a final project due like that Monday or something. So we would we were kind of smart about it. And then like yeah. post college, I remember we'd have maybe a party every month or every other month because you're like you're out of college. you don't have homework you have money because you're working a real job and you have time you're an adult but you know you're not like in a serious relationship or married or whatever you know so like yeah i like never had any of my like cool stuff stolen but like i had cd stolen which is just
0: so weird i didn't party in college which i looking back on it i probably should have that i wouldn't have been as crazy as i was from 1999 until 2007 but I would have got it out of my system way earlier, but yeah, I had CDs stolen out of my car once, Mm. they only took five though. And they took all the change from my cup holder. Oh, they didn't take anything else. Like I had the title to my car in there and everything. They didn't take any of that. Wow. At the time I lived in a state where transfer of title only required one signature. Really? How's that for a weird law?
1: Yeah, that is weird. Yeah so, so sounds like they, could, they could have lock. taken
0: ownership of my car but luckily that wasn't taken nope they took my cup full of change which probably had um, six seven bucks in it and then they took like five cds out of the little visor slide mm-hmm. Thing.
1: Mm-hmm. so um something i want to talk about i kind of went on this like crazy bender over the weekend but it wasn't like a, a drinking bender it was a it was retail boxes. I went on a retail box bender. Would you call it a blaster box bender? Only these weren't blasters. These were mega boxes, although they technically they're called mega blasters, but I like to call them mega boxes because that's what I when I first heard about them, that's what they were called. So you have your blaster boxes, which have like six to eight packs depending on where you buy them. And then you have your mega boxes, which have like 10, 11 or I remember once upon a time, I think they had about 12 packs. I remember them being like almost like half a hobby box or like, you know, half a box, you know, like 12 is half of 24. So you think of a hobby box being 24 packs.
0: That math checks out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 divided by or times two is 24, right?
0: I feel like they um, missed an opportunity here. They could have called it a Master Blaster instead of a Mega Blaster.
1: A Master Blaster or Blaster you have a Master? Blaster
0: and a Master Blaster. Uh, That's what they should have done. Because two men enter, one man leaves.
1: Oh, see, you're thinking of Master Blaster from um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yes. And I'm thinking of the video game Blaster Master.
0: Oh. Yeah, that doesn't work. It goes the other way. Master Blaster. Instead of Mega. Or let's call it a Blammer. So we mix the two. It's a Blammer.
1: No. That sounds like some panini garbage right there.
0: It's a kaboom. It's a kaboom.
1: Right. You know, I mean, and I meant to tweet this out, but like I'll just say this to our listeners. You know what? Us hockey collectors, we had the kaboom before the kaboom. Remember Crunch Crew?
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Crunch Crew. Yeah, we had Crunch Crew, and I liked those cards.
0: In the early score products? Yeah, they had them in football too.
1: Did they have Crunch Crew in football?
0: Yes, sure did.
1: Did not know that. Yeah. Believe it or not, I actually got the uh, the Jeremy Roenick Crunch Crew card signed by Roenick when I was a kid. Because, you know, most people would probably bring him a rookie card. And, oh, I got rookie card signed. Don't get me wrong. But I was just like, this is cool because he looks like he's in a comic book with the big explosion and boom or whatever. Right. Right. But then I also have the Doug Gilmore cowboy card autographed. So
0: there you go. Was that Pinnacle Profiles or something like that?
1: Yeah, Pinnacle Sidelines.
0: Sidelines, that was it.
1: Yeah, I asked him about that, and I said I said to Doug. I'm surprised he Black- even
0: ag- agree to sign it. He'd probably look at that and be like, oh, my God, get this away from me.
1: I went to a Blackhawk convention one year, and, and Gilmore was there. I mean, he played with the team for all of a season and a half, and then they, they unloaded him to Buffalo. But uh, so he's he's a Blackhawk alumni, so he'll come to the convention. And I said to the handler, because a lot of, like, the, the players – you hand the thing to the handler and then they like rotate it and slide it in front of the player. They sign it. And then another handler grabs the item and hands it back to you. So it's like an assembly line, you know, depending on the player. If it's somebody if it was somebody like the great Tony Esposito, you'd walk up to him. He'd say, hello. He'd ask you how you're doing. You'd hand him the thing that you were going to get signed. He'd look at it. He'd say something about it. He'd say, where do you want me to sign? You know what I mean? It was like a, it was like a, a conversation. It was an exchange. You go to a newer player, you hand somebody else the thing, and they put it in front of the guy. So I like, I handed it to the handler, and I said, I'd like Doug to sign this in silver if he's willing to sign it. And he looked at it, and he was like, oh! And then he looked at Doug Gilmore, and he says, what's the story with this? And then Gilmore did like a double take. And he's like, it was Toronto. Toronto made me do that. It was for a photo shoot. They said I was an urban cowboy. <laughs>
0: uh urban cowboy and
1: then he signed it in silver and then the other handler took it and got a laugh out of the two and handed it back to me and i'm like all right i got a pinnacle sidelines card of Doug gilmore as a cowboy
0: you know how some players get though about they won't sign certain cards that look a certain way or have them featured a certain way and stuff like that so i'm surprised if it was that important. Embarrassing that he would even agree to sign it. I don't
1: think he was that. I mean, he was embarrassed by it, but I don't think he was like, I will not sign this card. Like, I mean, people could just say I won't sign this card and that's it. You know what I mean? And I know there are certain players who don't sign certain cards. I don't have a master list, but just from my former life as a uh, through the mail autograph collector, I remember Randy Carlyle w- would never sign his 8788 tops card. Looks like he has gas in that card or something, and Mel. Which one said- would he sign? Ooh, Carlisle. Yeah. Eighty-seven, eighty-eight tops, and then. Yeah. If I was uh,
0: him, I wouldn't sign the eighty-nine, ninety tops one, where it looks like I have a tiny body, shrunken head.
1: And then Mel Bridgman won't sign his eighty-three, eighty-four card, where he's missing teeth, and he's like they painted like New Jersey Devil colors on him. Oh yeah. yeah. That one, and then. Uh, Surprisingly, Arturs Urbe is on this list, but the reason isn't surprising. He will not sign the ninety ninety-one Russian Red Army insert card.
0: That makes he'll, sense.
1: He'll sign the one where he's with uh, Dynamo Riga. He will not sign the one where he's with the Soviet Red Army. And from what I understand, sense. well, when, they would do, when the Red Army would do that tour of the NHL and they played the at different NHL teams, what they would do is they'd sometimes pull guys from other teams And, like, put them on the Red Army team. So that's what they did for that tour. Although it's weird because he also has a card with Dynamo Riga. So I guess, like, one year he toured with them. And then another year he toured with the Red Army. But both of those cards came out at the same time. I don't know. But, yeah, so he won't won't sign that card because he was more or less a conscript. Which is kind of weird if you think about it. Well, no, but anyway, so um, oh, wow, we sense. got really off topic here. So, it's
0: my, what we do best.
1: My mega box bender. I bought five mega boxes at Target. Now, I actually did buy three mega boxes before this, and I opened them, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna post box breaks of these," and then I just never got around to it because and other things takes precedence, and. Honestly, I mean, I like posting box breaks every now and then, but I couldn't do it every day. I just got tired of scanning cards. And, uh, you know, it was actually more fun to do it on Twitter. And I think that's what I'm going to start doing from now on because I like posted a picture of like the boxes. And I said, I'm going to open these. And everyone was like, all right, let us know what you got. Let us know what you got. So my first three mega boxes, I bought three mega boxes and a blaster box. And I decided that I like the mega boxes better. Then I was at Target the other day and they had five mega boxes on the shelf and you know there's that age-old question that plagues us card collectors how many do you buy when you see five of them if there's one you buy one if there's two you don't want to leave behind the one that has the potential good card right so then it becomes like a dilemma right like if there's a ridiculous amount like 20 then you just grab like four and you say all right I'll grab four and I just hope for the best right but if there's like three four or five, then you're like. Do I leave one behind? How much do I want to spend on this? And so these mega boxes cost 40 bucks each, which is not cheap, but you get 10 packs. You get 10 packs and then you get an 11th pack with they call it the rookie class set. So anyways, my cost for the boxes With tax, but minus the target 5% discount was just under $210. So $210, and that got me 10 packs and five boxes, so that's 50. So that's the the equivalent of two hobby boxes, right? Two hobby boxes is 48 packs. Right. Right? Does that check
0: out? Yeah, that checks out
1: okay okay i'm glad my simple math is is right uh <laughs> i'm not using a calculator folks i'm just using my head so i guess the thing is is like you're not going to get two hobby boxes for 210 dollars, are you
0: two hobby boxes no
1: no so here's basically what i got you get your five mega boxes you get 10 regular packs Per box, and then you get an 11th pack, which is something called a rookie class pack, which had three shiny rookie class cards. You had 400 total cards, so this was my just very generic overview of my breakdown: 353 base cards among the five boxes, and I pulled 14 young guns.
0: Okay,
1: hobby box, you're going to pull six. That's kind of the guarantee: one in every four packs.
0: So and, you basically got two more than you would have in two hobby boxes.
1: Right. Now, of course, I was lucky because it guarantees you, well, guarantees, it just basically says find two Young Guns rookie cards per box on average because there's 10 packs. When it used to be 12 packs, you would always get three. Now that it's 10 packs, you might get two, you might get three. I somehow beat the odds because four of my five boxes had three young guns and then on top of that another 33 non young gun inserts and then on top of that the 15 rookie class shiny cards because you get a pack of three in every mega box so i liked doing this i mean i feel it's definitely riskier in a way because like with a hobby box you know you're going to get six and also uh you know what
0: was your total total what the total for the five
1: total of what 353 base cards 14 young guns
0: it was 200 you spent 200
1: uh 210. 210
0: Two tax so basically 40 dollars less than what i would have spent for two hobby boxes and you got two extra young guns
1: so what what's what's the going rate for a hobby box now
0: i was getting them for 130
1: Oh, yeah, that that is actually a good price because I see them like 140 150 like in that territory.
0: The two so, hobby shops closest to me have them for about 130
1: Okay. Now, I think that price is total BS because they should not be $130 a box by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, but I think like we said last year when that was the case, I think that ship sailed.
1: Yeah, except last year, and I didn't get any Lafreniere's and I didn't get any Capri soft, but last year I went exclusively the retail route. Yeah. Because I'd rather pay three or four dollars for a pack of cards than eight dollars for a pack for the same pack of cards. And the only difference being, oh, you might get another portrait card if you buy a hobby box or a hobby pack. I'm not that interested.
0: But portraits, they're awesome.
1: Last year's were awesome. This year's just okay.
0: But this year was my idea.
1: It was an idea.
0: It was my idea that was stolen. That's
1: no, I mean. because you said you wanted it to look like a wanted poster.
0: I did, but they just used the color. They didn't make it change. I think they should have posed pictures. like did like a photo shoot with guys mm-hmm. and made them look like Gaucho Doug Gilmore. Yeah,
1: they should have put a cowboy hats on them and said, you're an urban cowboy. Yep. So if I had spent forty more bucks, I could have gotten, uh, I could have gotten two hobby boxes at the store that you go to.
0: But and, you know, as a comparison, though, dollar for dollar, you could have got one extra mega box. You could have got six for mm-hmm. the price of two hobby boxes, and then pulled another two or three more Young Guns. Right. So really, you could have came out sixteen up versus twelve right price. So in essence, you you'd be up four or five more, right? If you're just shooting for going for the, the rookie cards,
1: right? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. But you wouldn't have got
0: this fancy, PK Subban jersey card that I got.
1: <laughs> that that I couldn't even sell for three dollars if I wanted.
0: Me neither.
1: Uh, You know, and then just kind of quasi related to this, I'll just bring this up really quick. So Upper Deck announced that they're doing a store exclusive, not an e pack exclusive, but a store exclusive. They're selling something called a team triples blaster. So this is a blaster box that has eight packs for $30. And then it includes a ninth pack, which is a team triples pack, which basically is a card that shows three popular players from the same team, hence the name team triples. Now I know last year target had the team triples. I can't remember if they were hobbies or I can't remember what they came in. I do remember getting a lot of team triples cards. Nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted to trade for them. Nobody wanted to buy them at a show. And I kept getting Ottawa senators. I got like two of the same senators card and I'm like, oh great. That's going to really fly out of my hands. Not. Right. But, you know, so like those sorts of cards are hit or miss. It seems that like the OPG glossy rookie card packs seem to be a little more popular because Alexei Lafreniere was in there and Connor McMichael was in that and a couple of Blackhawk rookies, you know, a couple of rookies on like some of the more popular teams. But uh, anyway, so yeah, just something to think about.
0: They've done those team triples before for quite a few years. Yeah, I just, just... I remember the ones from like '16. Yeah, they looked like those. Um, you remember those mini tops cards? They did them for basketball, like where you had like the three cards together and you could perforate and punch them out.
1: Eighty, eighty-one tops because you have the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are yeah. on the same card.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the 16 ones look just like that. Interesting. Could um, you tear them apart? I don't think you could. I just remember them being like there were three little strips mm-hmm. surrounded by a border. Mm-hmm. And then, like, last year's just had the three players kind of superimposed over each other on those. They do, like, a like a triple exposure kind of thing, too, with it. Like, I think the Tim Hortons release has mm-hmm. something like that, too. Or it's called Team Trios or something. Okay. It's something, it's something very similar to that. But those carry a pretty high ticket. Hmm. I mean,
1: it's well, Tim similar. Hortons is a popular yeah. set, so... Yeah. I mean, I know you were not—you're not a fan of Upper Deck Series One, so you're not doing that. I liked it enough that I'm going to keep doing it. And uh... I mean, I'm
0: building the set just because, but I'm not going to go out of my way and pick any more up. Right, right—that's right. That's for sure. I'm not getting burned on that.
1: Nah,
0: I got you. Sorry to sound jaded, everyone. <laughs> I just really felt like that was rough. Anyway not to beat a dead horse we we talked about that last time so i won't rehash bad memories
1: graded cards you know your favorite thing graded cards
0: yeah we go from one bad thing to another
1: so what is this gemrate.com reported that about 1.2 million cards were graded last month by the top four grading companies
0: if you look at like hobby metrics and stuff like that and, and try to pull statistics and all of those kind of things i mean there's plenty of people that are out there they're smarter than me they can figure this stuff out but one of the sites that actually tracks some of that information is gem rate and it makes it easier to follow auctions and track serial numbers and things like that to come out of the grading company so they look at the top four graders and see kind of where they're at in the grading process and how many things have been graded each month and they put statistics up on their website i don't know if they have a pay service to get this info but most of it I, what i found is free that's out there but something i thought was interesting is all the focus on grading and everything and people so over the moon about it and it's the be all end all and then if you don't have graded cards then you're a piece of garbage like me you look at that from the outside looking in and you're like what is the focus on this you know why are you trusting all your stuff to these arbitrary companies that just make stuff up and nobody's really an authority on anything we're just trusting that they know what they're doing but That's besides the point. So they look at the four major companies and I thought, I wonder how much of that is actually hockey cards. So I was kind of looking at at what they show on there and about 23% of what's being graded at all of the companies for the last month. And so the last numbers were for the month of March, 23% of everything that was graded was hockey. I was actually shocked by that.
1: I am, too, because that's almost a fourth. 10% seems like where it should be.
0: I thought it would be in the teens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 23% if you add up the numbers. You know, obviously, there's almost 200,000 cards that were graded at PSA that were hockey-related. About 26,000 at SGC, another 42 at Beckett, and about 12,000 at CSG. Some of the metrics might be off a little bit, because I know CSG doesn't do non-sport. I don't think they do gaming cards either. Maybe they do now. I'm not sure if they do. But, you know, there's obviously different things that go into it, but just the raw numbers. And you'd have to actually look at where the data comes from specifically and look at it, read all the asterisks and the fine print on all of their uh, math. But just looking at it on the surface, I thought that was kind of a surprising thing, because I could have sworn that number would be a lot lower. And I was surprised to see it as high as it was. So, what does that tell me? That tells me that a lot more people and a lot more eyeballs are on hockey.
1: Paying attention now.
0: Yes. That's what that tells me. Good, bad, or otherwise, that's the way it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's good and it's bad. We've talked about this before. Like, we like enough attention being showered on hockey that we get more stuff. But when there's too much attention on it, then you get too many people that are, like, there's, like, too much competition, you know. When you want to buy a box of Upper Deck Series 1 hockey, and you're willing to pay, like, 70 or $80, but then somebody with deeper pockets is just going to buy cases of it and break them or whatever. You know what I mean? It makes it harder then. You know, I, I felt the same frustrations a lot in, like, the early 90s. Like, you had that initial swell— where there was more interest so that you were it was easier to find hockey cards, but then it drew a lot of investors. But you know what? So much stuff was printed back then, like limitlessly printed, that the only thing I've struggled to find in the early 90s was Opeechee Premier, and that had to be imported, you know, because that wasn't available in the U.S., and the price shot up ridiculously, like, overnight. So that was, like, a problem. That was probably the one... The one set I had problems finding, but like all the other stuff, no, but like, so here I feel that's kind of like part of it, right? We're competing with people who aren't really into hockey. They just want to make a quick buck off of it, or maybe a not so quick buck off of it. And that's going to drive up the price. And I think the thing you mentioned about grading, what bothers me a little bit about this is that you get those cards that like an SP authentic card that has an autograph on it, and they're just going to grade it. They're going to get it graded. And it used to be like, you can find an SPA uh, autograph, you know, Future Watch card, I'm graded. Maybe every now and then you'd find one that was graded. And now it seems that, like, because those cards are so popular, because they have an autograph, and because they're serial numbered, they're going to get graded that much quicker, wouldn't you say? Quicker? Well, more likely to get Would graded. Would
0: be more likely to be graded.
1: No, I mean, people are more, they'd be quicker to get that graded than some other card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than maybe a young gun. You know what I mean? But all things otherwise, you know, like.
0: Yeah, if you were going to create a rule to this madness, you would basically say, okay, what is gradable? All right, well, the desirable cards are young guns as a base card, so we'll go with that. But any other base card that's not a short print, not serial numbered, not some kind of variation or rare, hard to find thing, why would you even do that? I mean that's what everybody complains about why these grading companies are backed up on submissions now too, right? Because everybody mm-hmm. and their brothers sent base cards in. Right. Every base card imaginable and it hit more in football and football basketball and baseball than than in hockey, I think, because most hockey collectors already know that I don't care about base cards unless I'm a set builder or something of that nature. If I'm looking for the money aspect of it, or the high ticket, I'm putting this card away because someday it's going to buy me a new house. Mm-hmm. Base cards are not where the money is. The money is going to be in the high desirable young guns mm-hmm. or FWAs or RPAs and all that kind of stuff. So things that I don't understand, the base card, why grade base card if it's not one of those things? And why grade a one of one those are things that blow my mind right yeah i understand like if you grade a one of two and somebody else has the two and it's not graded well there you go that makes sense but a one of one there's only one you have one right grade it don't grade it run it over with your car it's still a one of one right who cares <laughs> you know what i mean it's only right. one do whatever you want with it. Light it on fire. It's still the only one.
1: Well, then it'd be uh it'd be a uh,
0: one of none if you burned it. Burn half of it. Then it's a one of one. You only have half of the card.
2: Where's oh, the other half?
0: Doesn't exist. right Gone. I mean, heck, the Hannes Wagner that was torn in half sold for like a million dollars. So, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. So. so, hey, there's a there's a hockey show coming in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if you got a chance to to see anything about that, but there's a it's a huge hockey memorabilia show. It's going to be at the uh, Ramada Inn on West Chestnut in Pittsburgh. And, you know, obviously I don't live in that area anymore, but this is a memorabilia show. This isn't geared as a, like, trading card show or a sports card show or anything like that. This is a hockey memorabilia show. It's called the Game Worn Jersey and Equipment Expo.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, it's going to be on May 7th. And I just kind of heard about this, started reading about it. I guess the guy that started it, this started in Detroit about 20 years ago. Over the years, he's done like seven different shows like this, and they've all been pretty successful and popular. And he's had dealers from all over the country set up at these shows. Now, obviously, being at the Ramada, this isn't like a convention center show with thousands of tables. I'm sure there's a there's going to be a a very select amount, but I imagine considering it's an expo which is both show to sell and show to show, um, there's gonna be a lot of cool stuff there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and I'm anxious after it happens to see if people actually go and post the, some of the cool stuff that may show up there. They're billing it as um, just kind of a hockey everything from a memorabilia, jerseys, equipment, sticks and pucks and everything and not just you know nhl stuff but international you know junior ahl echl you know Mm -hmm. just just anything the guy that started this was a big minor league hockey fan Mm. and started with picking stuff up from smaller you know smaller local teams where he was and then it kind of just blew up he found similar like-minded collectors and got together and it just kind of went from there so there's more information we could probably post a link to Oh yeah we'll do that in the show notes but um, it's very interesting it, it caught my eye cuz it sounded like something different you know usually you hear about card shows and card shows and card shows and card shows this is strictly a memorabilia show so I think it's kind of So
1: interesting. no cards allowed is what you're saying?
0: I'm not saying that I don't know what the rules are but it's not being billed as such so well, I think it's interesting
1: is. that it's a hockey show,
0: right? That's the other thing. It's it's geared towards hockey, and it's not in Canada. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty wow. cool. I wish I could go to it.
1: Yeah, me too. So what about uh, we got some new releases that came out? We got some new release. Well, new 2021 cards. Yeah. <laughs> we're 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 towards the near the end of the 21-22 season we're still getting 2021 cards coming out so premier came out 2021 premier six cards for $470
0: yeah how about that that's a lot of money um of course the cards on that.
1: the sell sheet look nice but it's a lot they money. do
0: now keep in mind that's the cheap that's the low price for that mm-hmm. if you go on certain other seller sites uh, that number pushes in the five to 525 range wow You're about 90 few,
1: bucks a card
0: yeah i found a few that were selling for that price which is why i threw that out there to you and i will tell you that during our last show my local store owner reached out to me mm-hmm. and offered me a box and when I saw that they were selling for 525 bucks, I said, nope. And he's like, oh, I don't think it's gonna be that much. He's like more like 450, 460. So I was like, yeah, compared to 525, that's a little more reasonable, but mm-hmm. it's also way too much. Right. Because I'm not about, you know, 50 bucks a card or more. And I've seen a bunch of breaks of this. Mm-hmm. It's feast or famine, it really is, when it comes to comes to a lot of these boxes. Um, I've seen quite a few that have opened where there's been one card that may net you sixty to seventy bucks, and a bunch of ten to twenty dollar cards. That to me does not justify a fifty dollar per card box at all. But I'm not the audience for this, so right. By no means.
1: So, you know, another high-end set just came out uh, last week by President's Choice Trading Cards. It's called Solid Gold Hockey. Three cards, $549.
0: And is it made of solid gold?
1: No. But one card has a piece of a George Vezina game-worn goalie pad. So every box has a George Vezina pad card, plus two other Cards. Now, some of the cards that you could get, of course, there's game used memorabilia, you know, game used glove, game used jersey, game used this, game used that. Also, cut signatures with, you know, so like one card they show is like uh, Lord Stanley's autograph on a piece of paper that's been cut and then mounted on the card. Another one's a Gordie Howe autograph that's been cut and then put onto the card. And something else that I thought was interesting was called Handwritten Word, and the one that they show is of Lord Stanley, but it looks like it's a word cut from, like, a letter or something, like, we're like, he just wrote a word, you know, like, wrote something down, and somebody said, oh, well, we'll just cut out this random word and mount it to a card. Not an autograph, just whatever. Like, there's a
0: piece of paper with the word the
1: on it. Well, I I don't know. I can't remember what they showed, but... um, Maybe not the one Sometimes I'd want. They
0: still have pieces left of Vezina stuff. Didn't they have the whole Vezina collection that they chopped up a couple years ago?
1: I can't imagine that George Vezina had more than one set of leg pads, but maybe he did. I don't know.
0: I was going to say, I don't, unless they bought a collection or have multiples or something. Because I thought, mm-hmm. you know, was it 2020 or 2019 they had the Vezina collection? where it was like 150 boxes limited on this stuff? And it yeah, was all card right. cards? Yeah, that's why I'm saying. I'm surprised they had stuff left to cut up.
1: So solid gold is limited to 300 boxes. So I uh, just want to throw that out there. So yeah, we talk about Upper Deck with its 400 or $500 boxes. And you get six cards and then President's Choice. And then you get three cards. But I'm not going to say one is better than the other. I mean, if you like new players, you go for Upper Deck. If you like those old players, original six players, or even like way before original six players you go for something like president's choice
0: well and there's plenty of you know there's plenty of leaf hockey products too that have high high box prices on them too where it's just all hits yeah stuff like superlative and pearl and all that kind of stuff
1: oh yeah pearl pearl looks nice so what else we have uh what is this uh upper deck ultimate 2021 ultimate Supposed yeah. to come out this week,
0: it's supposed to you know, it's it's again, it's another 2021 20, product.
1: Is this a high end type
0: of product? Oh, yeah, it's a higher end product. It's a product that actually still has base cards in it, if you can believe wow. that. And hobby boxes have, I think last year they had four cards, so it's probably going to be the same. Three of them mm-hmm. are hits, one of the hits will be like a rookie autograph. There'll be a memorabilia card and then one or of the other. So you might get two autos and two memorabilias or something like that. And then one card is a base card. Mm-hmm. They're all serial numbered, but it's still a base card, which is interesting. Ultimate is what you see that has like the jumbo patches where it's like, I think on the sell sheet, I saw Patrick Kane, where it's like a piece of the shoulder patch with the mm-hmm. cross tomahawks. It's a real big patch. a big chunk of it and they're all really really low serial number cards so i mean it's it's nice stuff ultimate also usually has the dual shields so they'll have like the one of one or one of two like the nhl shield cards that you see a lot of times again it's a it's a high-end product but you know it's a product that still has base cards in it there's 200 cards in the base set and you get one in a box (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely not a set collect, a set builder's set by any means. It's for hits. So anyway, uh,
1: and then we got the uh, rookie class set coming out.
0: The rookie class is in those blaster boxes. This sorry, is sorry. Star, star, rookies. S- star, rookie box. yes,
1: star rookies. Star rookie box. Star rookies box set. Correct. So this is um, it's a twenty-five card set. Twenty-five cards.
0: Sold as a box as a complete set.
1: Yeah. Look for one rookie autograph per case on average so if you get an autograph card they're going to be like one in every 20 sets basically
0: i this like box the,
1: sets and i always buy them but yes the case is 20.
0: this um, is the one that since 2019-20 like since they were putting this out in 1920 it comes in a box that looks just like a blaster and the people that like to buy up everything that's on the shelf at a retail store will buy all of these thinking that they're blaster boxes and they are not they are complete sets so make sure you know that going into it that it's a complete set with a very rare shot at a potential autograph but again those autographs are mixed through all of the rookies so your chances of getting The big guys are probably not as easy as it's going to be to get one of the, as we call them, scrub guns.
1: Right, right. They actually, a couple of years ago, I know last year, the Star rookie set was in a more oblong box. Kind of like the Sidney Crosby set or the Connor McDavid set or the Alexei Lafreniere set. Oh, by the way, I got a bone to pick with that set uh, real quick. The Alexei Lafreniere collection Mm -hmm. and 30 cards, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you buy a box and you get 25 cards. Cards 26 through 30 are short printed and you only get one of those five cards. And Mm -hmm. I was so frustrated by that because, look, if you buy a box set and there's 30 cards and it's a box set, you want to get all 30 cards. If you get an autograph, cool. You know, you beat the odds you got an autograph. Otherwise, whatever. You still got this complete set. What annoyed me about this is that it's not really a complete set. Cards one through 25 are in any every box, and in cards 26 through 30, you get one of them. So that really annoyed me because that's upper deck saying, we want you to buy more than one of these sets. And I think that's absolute garbage. Yeah,
0: because then you end up with five. Incomplete sets and one complete one.
2: Right. If you're you know, lucky.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's I I I think that's just a total garbage move. Like, you know, to, to try to get people to buy more of the same thing. You know, okay, we get it with the rookie cards. I don't like it, but we get it, right? But with something like that, like it's a it's a freaking boxed set.
0: So um again, this is how it's marketed. It's marketed as a box set. And they know if they're going to put this out, certain people will buy it. But if you're going to capitalize on the fury and the frenzy, well, let's make a chase out of it. So we'll short print five cards, or we'll throw in random autographs, or we'll make every 300th set made out of solid gold, or something like that, where it's going to cause people to actually go out and buy cases of this. Cases of a complete set to try to go after all of those things and inevitably you're going to end up seeing the sets for sale for next to nothing at one point or another after the fact because that right. seems to happen every time
1: well yeah it's like what happened with the uh the black Hawk box set from 2013 those, those sold new i think for like 20 bucks and then you found places selling them for like eight or ten dollars because they just made so damn many of them
0: well the in your sets i Saw people trying to unload those for like 30, 40 bucks at one point. Um, one of the card shops in my area, who shall remain nameless, had stacks of them mm-hmm. up on the front counter, marked at like 14 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if i want to buy one, no, I don't. And then I just kept walking.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, if you're a Rangers fan, it's worth 14 bucks. If sure. you if you're weird like me and you just want to buy a set of everything, it's worth fourteen bucks. But if you are also like me and you're going to get angry that they got the last five cards are short printed, had I known that I wouldn't have even bothered because I don't care that much. You know, I don't like those, um, the Sidney Crosby set that came out in oh five oh six. I don't care for it. The Connor it's McDavid like the set. The of a out phenom
0: in, or the phenomenal beginnings.
1: Which is the one that was a box set.
0: Uh, I think Phenomenal Beginnings was there.
1: Phenomenal Beginnings, right. I think Dyer of a Phenom was in the... Um, Those are insert Yeah. So I thought that set was kind of dumb because it's only the first half of his rookie season. Because it came out during his rookie season. And the same thing with the Connor McDavid set. It was the first half of his rookie season. And there wasn't really anything prior to his NHL career. In that set. So how excited can you get about the first three months of the player's career? I mean, yeah, they could do some good things, but I think it's more fun if you release it at the end of the season and it's a retrospective of their first year. But, you know, they're trying to capitalize on the hype of the player as it's still the player's quote unquote rookie year. So let's put out this set, even though it's just the first five months or three months or whatever.
0: I get it. Have you noticed, though, the difference between the two of those? Trying to, like, buy them, not necessarily the full set. But people sell on individual cards. The Crosby Phenomenal Beginnings you can have for cheap. Yep. Like a buck or less. Yep. The, the McDavid ones? No. People sell the singles from the McDavid set for, like, a lot. Still. It's
1: ridiculous because there's really nothing all that great about that set, from what I remember.
0: No, there isn't. It it just looks like a bunch of game-dated moments cards.
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's
0: really what it is.
1: I'll tell you what I am excited about is this Kraken box set that's coming out in May.
0: Uh Uh-oh. They're releasing the Kraken?
1: They're releasing the Kraken set. I had to say it. Well, that's good. Somebody had to say it. I remember when they did the Golden Knight set in 1718.
0: Let's asterisk this first, though, with allegedly because we still are like we're not sure when but supposedly
1: Yeah, dates are subject to change of course. No one's going to pe- No one's going to say, say up to Upper in, Deck
0: suppo- supp- what's the word they use online? They use it incorrectly. They say supposedly because that's not even a word.
1: Well, no one's going to say to Upper Deck, "Hey Upper Deck, the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast reported that the set was coming out on May, May 2nd." 7. It is yeah. now May 3rd. And Maybe you know, they
0: will. Our minions of listeners might cause a uh, campaign.
1: They're gonna, they're gonna hold us to that because that's what we said, right?
0: Maybe you never yeah. know.
1: Yeah. What's cool about the set is you get uh, twenty-three player cards, seven highlight cards, plus five parallels. Now that I don't mind the parallels because the Golden Knights set had, had parallel cards which had gold foil on them, so they look kind of neat. But they were, you know, five in a box, and if you really wanted to build a parallel set. And then I could see buying more boxes and trying to get the parallels, but I don't mind if like it's a bonus thing. But thirty These cards
0: won't have gold; they'll have uh, seaweed on them,
1: glow in the dark green or something, kind of like those glow shift cards from Synergy.
0: Or um, was it Goodwin or Alan Ginter that did the Things You Find in the Dark set? Yeah, glow in the dark.
1: The monster in my closet. Or the monster, monster in
0: my closet. Yeah, that's
1: it. Well, a, that's not what it was, but something. Um, like that. I like team boxed sets. You know, of course, when the Blackhawk set came out in 2013, I bought that because they had a card of every player who was in the playoffs or cup finals. And the Golden Knights set had every player to appear that season for the team, including Dylan Ferguson, who played like, I think, 20 minutes of one game. He was a goaltender. And so I just thought, ah, hey, that's cool. You know, I like I like those sorts of things. So I'm definitely going to buy a Kraken box set whenever it comes out i mean i don't think any of them are i don't know if there's a chance of an autograph or not but don't care there is, that,
0: there, is. there is a chance okay there is a very slim chance in fact if you read through the cell sheet there's a short printed autograph and a regular autograph one's like one out of 150 and the short printed one is like one out of 250 mm. so it's a very slim almost slim to none chance but there is a chance Mm -hmm. and here's the biggest thing to all of this we don't have a regular product of Kraken no when series 2 comes out we will not have a regular product of Kraken and I think when extended comes out we still may not have a regular product that has Kraken in it
1: well series 2 should have it because series 2 always has updated photos
0: yeah you would think but I'm not so sure okay I mean, we don't have a checklist yet, so we don't know. And, yeah, the Kraken players might be on the checklist, but we don't know what team they play for. We're going to make assumptions. But...
1: Well, when Upper Deck So we see it,
0: we don't, we don't know.
1: Upper Deck Series 2 had Golden Knight players.
0: Yeah, but they also took pictures of everybody at the draft.
1: For Series 1.
0: Yeah. For Series 2, I believe there were
1: some action photos by that point.
0: But in series one, they were wearing the jerseys that they put yeah, on Yeah, that that at the was draft. from
1: the expansion draft.
0: Where were we of this expansion draft? We had yeah, the same yeah. thing. Plus, we had better lighting because it was outside. Right. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So until we see it, we don't see it. So really the only shot that you've had other than some game-dated moments cards, and if you stray over onto the tops now stickers, and if you've really gone off the grid and threw yourself out there and decided to find the um what were they ampere trading card company it's a european company they actually made kraken cards they have a wow. 27 card kraken set that you can order online on their website again it's a european company so and i'm
1: gonna ask you how much and you don't know the answer because you're not into you know facts and figures you said
0: Oh, the, the, the answer to that is it costs you 35, whatever their currency is. Euros? Uh, maybe. Whatever the whatever the letter C is with the two lines through it. Is that euros? The two lines going horizontally? Going, yeah, it looks like an equal sign.
1: Yeah, it looks like the letter E.
0: It's like a C with an equal sign in it. I guess that would be an E. Yeah, is that, is the... that the sign for the euro? Yeah. Okay, well then it's like 35 euros, so figure out the conversion
1: I think euros are worth more than us dollars so i'll pass well That's why why i never even bothered with those russian cards well now i wouldn't anyway because you know you'll never get anything from out of russia but like uh like the khl cards
0: i've got some i've got some like individual one-offs i never bought a set or went all out to try to try to get them but i've got some one-offs here and there of various players from different. somebody
1: years, sent me an artemi an Aaron, the KHL card, and it predates his young gun. And that's a keeper. That's a keeper. You know, that's like, yeah, okay, this is cool. I like this. I'm hanging on to this. This ain't going anywhere for a while because, you know, it's a pre rookie card.
0: These aren't really pre rookies. They're just European. And they have the players wearing the NHL outfits and game action shots. So I don't know what the rules are in Europe about all that. I don't even know if they're legit, but there is a set out there. But here in the United States and in North America, the only cracking card we have came from the National Hockey Dark Card Day set.
1: Yeah, I'm Grubauer. You know, and here's another thing that's just kind of odd is like pre pandemic, so you had the 17 18 season, Upper Deck really went all in on trying to really grow collecting in Las Vegas for the Golden Knights. And I'll give you just a couple oh, of quick absolutely. examples. There were, as you said, there were Golden Knights players in Series 1. They were pictures from the expansion draft, but still, it was cool to see that.
2: Absolutely. Then,
1: they also did that box set at the end of the season, which, again, I thought that was cool. But then you'll remember that during the National Hockey Card Day, there were Golden Knight insert cards in the National Hockey Card Day packs. You remember those? Yep. Now, let me tell you, those cards were very hard to find, and I remember when I talked with Chris Carlin, who's no longer with Upper Deck, he's now with, uh, what is it, Collectors.com, but I asked him about that, and he. so what they did was they actually ended up making those Golden Knights cards more readily available in Las Vegas. Like, I think they sold them in, like, packs or something in stores in Vegas, and I said, so why are you doing this? You made these cards, like, these really hard hits in national hockey card day packs but now you're also making them kind of easier to get later on in the season why is that and he said you know we like the fact that the cards are desirable that there's a good aftermarket value you know that people want them he said but it's very hard to grow new collectors when every card they want is 20 bucks right off the bat so it was like the demand had exceeded the supply the guy who's been collecting for 20 years, he's going to be like, all right, I'll pay 20 bucks for that card and this one and this one and build the set. And the people who are new are going to see like, OK, this is too difficult. This is too much. I'm, I'm not doing this now. That's not what Chris said. And I'm paraphrasing some of the other stuff that he said, but basically the gist of it was it wasn't a good way to get new collectors excited by pricing them out of these cards before they can even really have a chance to collect them and so i thought that was a good point because at the end of the day it's really not about aftermarket value it's about getting the cards that you like like you say collect what you like and if you make it too hard for people to collect what they like and especially if they're new collectors then they can't do that now with the kraken There's really nothing Kraken to collect other than that one Philip Grubauer card and a Topps Skate digital card and maybe some Topps Now stickers, which
2: we don't even talk about
1: anymore because I just don't care.
0: And the Game Dated Moments cards and that's it.
1: Oh, and let's not forget in the Topps Hockey sticker album collection, there is a Kraken logo that's made up of like 12 individual cards that you piece together to make a giant Kraken logo. That just basically fills the whole page. It's not very creative. And it's kind of a pain in the butt to like piece together because you're trying to line them all up nice, you know.
0: Yeah, hopefully you're right and we get something in series two or an extended, but I'm not holding my breath. And if this ends up being the one and only set for a while that has cracking cards, I feel bad for the Seattle fans. So hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong.
1: So, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this one up?
0: That pretty much hit all of the 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 things we were going to discuss, more or less.
1: Okay. Well, then, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe and tell people that you know about our show. And until next time, collect what you like.
0: For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.